0: York Hospital Ball is back. Thank you for joining us for the start of our biggest series ever. Our first guest is Martin Wolford, a player who signed for York City in 2006, his first professional contract, and immediately became a fan's favourite from his all-action performances and goals. Wolford went on to play regularly in the Championship for Scunthorpe, Bristol City and Millwall, as well as spells at Sheffield United, Fleetwood and Grimsby in an impressive career. He Here he talks exclusively about his time at York and the strong work ethic that were the foundations of his footballing journey. This episode is proudly sponsored by N&E Woodhouse, family-run plastering business serving York and surrounding areas since 1963, covering all aspects of plastering, from contemporary housing to Tudor renovations using traditional methods and materials, and following York City since the early 70s. They can be found on Facebook or at woodhouseplastering.com. woodhouseplastering.com. If you enjoy these podcasts, please consider giving, justgiving.com forward slash York Hospital Radio, justgiving.com forward slash York Hospital Radio. All donations are gratefully received, particularly in these challenging times. But without further ado, here is Series 6, Episode 1, Martin Wolford. <laughs>
1: Martin thank you so much for joining us I know you've done a few podcasts before but maybe surprising to some York City fans that you've done more podcasts about property than you are football is that a sort of nod to what you're doing now and post sort of your full-time football career
2: yeah there's a little bit of getting out of my comfort zone there as well like the reason that all came about was totally scared of public speaking so like one of the, the things within the property circles where I got the opportunity to, to speak on, on there tour sort of a little bit of getting out of my comfort zone and then a few podcasts have come off the back of that so yeah but I, yeah, to be honest, like during lockdown, I think it seems to be a popular thing. More and more people are reaching out to me, both on the property side and the football. So I don't mind chatting about either. So,
1: so which one's more nerve-wracking, playing at maybe Wembley Stadium in front of sixty thousand or uh, public speaking? What, what would you say now?
2: Public speaking by far. And there's only about like the ones that I did before, obviously before lockdown. So that there's, like there's only fifty, sixty people in the room, but it's yeah, that have just terrified me. Whereas football is just something I've done from, from being a kid. So that, that kind of comes naturally and, and the crowds are just there and part of it. So that's more excitement than anything, whereas it would definitely nerves when I am doing the public speaking.
1: <laughs> let's get on to football and uh, let's think about when you, you signed for York City back in 2006. Now, I'm sort of trying to think of what it was like for me when you signed for the club. And normally around that time, you'd get it in the local paper. But, but you're signing, with, I, I remember quite specifically, because it was sort of revealed in a fans forum with uh, Billy McEwen early in the week. And then he was sort of saying about this, this guy we're going to sign from the Northern Premier League. He's a young lad and supporters had to be sort of patient. Because you were a bit raw and all that, and I think you signed the next day, and then the day after that, you you were sub against Stafford. You came on after an hour, and you certainly didn't look like you had any nerves because you have made a real good impression, I think, to the fans straight away, taking on defenders and putting in cross after cross. And I just wonder what what was that week like, and and what do you remember about your debut?
2: Not long before that, and excuse me on the time scales, because like like you say, it is quite a long time ago. But not long before that, being on trial, uh, I've been away with with Stockport they, they took me to Ibiza for a beta for for a trial for their like sort of a the tour thing that they did every year and they were in league two at the time and I choked a little bit uh, in the trial and I never got signed anything so there were a bit of disappointment and it weren't long after that had happened that York City came in that Billy came in and made us mm-hmm. with it well, Colin Walker that got in touch with me to start with so we had a conversation and then a couple of days after I went and met with both of them and, and had a chat and I can always, because I, I were working at the time as well, because I never went through, obviously, any academies or anything like that. And I, I was working, I had a, a decent enough job, I was, was a land surveyor, going to uni part-time. So I had to go back and have a conversation with my boss and say, look, I'm really sorry, I'm leaving. And if you don't mind, I want to leave next week because I want to want to go and play football. And, and he was really chilled about it, didn't ask me to serve any notice or anything like that. And as I say, were a couple of days after that, then it, it, it was literally happening. I, I didn't have too much time to think about it. It just happened. And it was a huge thing for me to be fair because I'd always obviously wanted to and I'd been for trials as a, as a young kid from like the age of eight and there were one or two trials ongoing all the way up to like I said I wanted to stop and I was constantly getting rejected the whole way through so for, for York to come in and and give me my first professional contract what, what a huge huge thing for me um, and I've spoke to uh, Jason a few times over the years quite recently with, a, with the last conversation but I've said like, I do owe York a lot and I, like, I hold the club in in very very high regards because of what it did for me when everybody else was sort of saying no that he that took a chance and Mike said I didn't know he'd said that but that's what exactly what I was back then I, I was raw I was just a young non-league footballer that's, that's pretty much what I was so for him to take a chance it was yeah, something that I'm very, very grateful
1: for. Do you think it helped then maybe that you didn't have much time to think about? Because I'm pretty sure the fans farm was on something like the Wednesday night. You signed on the Thursday and I think the game was a Friday night, wasn't it, against Stafford? It was, I don't know why we were playing on a Friday night, but uh, but it was all ha- happening quite fast. Do you think that's sort of helped with you not building up to any nerves?
2: Yeah, I, th- I, I guess so. It was, I don't know, like you just asked there about, about the, the nerves with public speaking and stuff like that. And I, I never really got nervous when it got, got to play. I, I know there was nerves there because like I say in all the trials I used to go to as a kid I, I always used to choke and I, and I know that's what what it was it was just nerves and, and worrying about mainly my dad to be honest it wasn't anybody else but my dad was constantly telling me like he, he his way of keeping me grounded and down to earth was to, to kind of never let it show that I'd done anything good kind of thing so there were always that and I, I, I do think that's why I, one of the reasons why I sort of all the trials I was going to I, I, I did choke and I think that's why I never got picked up as a kid because I weren't really showing what I could do so yeah there, there will have been nerves there like I said, I can't think back to how we're feeling at that exact moment I, I can just remember being absolutely delighted uh, and going around all my family to say well, I've, I've signed I'm signing professional football that's that's all I wanted to do so the excitement the were there and, and yeah I think possibly did help the fact that I didn't have time Thinking about anything before I was playing the first
1: game. Because if, if I sort of look at your route into football, it is, is a little bit unusual for the fact that you obviously went up through the leagues and proved your quality pretty quickly, but you went with Glass Houghton and, and Frickley rather than in a standard apprenticeship or an academy team. How, how come that didn't happen for you?
2: I said that I, I used to go on trials when I was a kid. I was, I was by far the best player in my school, and and from that got me a trial uh, at Barnsley when I was younger. There were a few stages to that. I, I'll always remember getting through the first couple of stages and then um and then I pulled my hamstring and my dad was like sort of you might not ever get another chance you're just gonna have to play <laughs> so played the final trial like the the to to get in there with a torn hamstring and like, obviously that didn't go well so I would have put in hindsight I would probably better off just saying what oh, I've, I've pulled my hamstring can I give it another go when it's right and whether the would have or not but it would just we didn't think it would so I, I kind of got just pushed into playing and then I went to Donny might like say Stockport There were a few others a little bit further afield as well and I just, I just never did well I, I just like I say I think confidence at that point was, was a big thing uh, like, I, I, I didn't really believe in myself at that point, but when I was sort of playing and it was just playing from Glassout and playing for Frickley, I was just playing then. So, so the quality was showing. There were no nerves about that because I was just playing with the team. It, it, it weren't like I was having to prove myself to anybody. I was just enjoying and playing my football. So, I think that's where it sort of things got noticed. So, it, like, I say, from, from Glassout and quickly went to, to Frickley and and from there, like I say, I started getting noticed because I, I was scoring goals, and, and yeah, people people were starting to notice. And what, what
1: does a what does a trial consist of for someone who's never played professional football? Is it is it different from club to club, or is there a standard sort of hoop that you have? To, I mean, you went to IB for with Stockport was part of a trial that you had to go on the dance floor or something, you know? No, <laughs> no I think
2: that was the issue that they the, the found me on the dance floor in the beef for that. one that <laughs> at that age? No, no, like like I say, it, it did vary. Some of them were just one-off games where you just go and it. Had, Be a scouting game, most of the time, you'd get like the one when I was younger for for Barnsley, for example, that were like a tournament type setup. So, you and we were young then, that like we were only I don't even know what I would have been, I would have been like early years at high school, so whatever that translates to, like 12, 14, whatever it was, I don't don't know. But that, like I said, that was just more in a a tournament setup, so they're obviously watching everybody throughout each game and and the teams that's progressing and stuff like that are obviously showing more Doncaster when I went there they give me like a couple of weeks training basically and then you'd, pe- you'd play and you'd be involved in the games there and I think I did I did well there actually but I would just teetering on the age that would have been in the final years of being a YT so they'd have been needing me to be at that point where I'd, they'd have been comfortable with me then stepping into reserve football so I was just on that kind of final age so I think I think that were a little bit that went against me I think I or a little bit or maybe a year or two old, too old when I went there and I, I don't think they want to take the chance
1: and and you were yeah, a winger, it, Martin, sorry.
2: Some of them, I, I, I went as striker, to be fair. Some of them I did. Some of them, it, it depended. Some of the one-off games I've played, in, I've played in different positions. But majority of the time, yeah, I wore, I wore majority on the wing. But yeah, and then the of what pot one, it was just a week's training. It was like their kind of pre-season friendly training. So you, we, we'd train through the day and then the dad did two or three games arranged while we are out there. So so that well, that was set up. But I, I didn't do great at all there, so I came back like I said I came back really really gutted about that one there were disappointments in every single one when you when you get the no after the no after the no you mm. start to sort of lose belief in whether it's ever going to happen and to be honest I probably had given up on thinking I'm going to make it just the, the stop put one came out of came out of nowhere I were oblivious of uh, of the interest that I were getting at Frickley I, was just, I just enjoyed it there
1: I was just playing and, and you mentioned your, your, your dad before and, and I think your dad and your granddad both played professional rugby for Featherstone. Is that right? Is it a help or a hindrance having coming from a family of professional sportsmen?
2: My dad were both a help and a, and a hindrance. Um, I've recently had this chat with him like when in my latter years. My, my dad were very hard on me and, and I know now that he was just wanting me to do well. But my, my granddad were the best out of the two. My granddad old, um, or held the try scoring record at Featherston Rovers for, for quite some years and that was when they were in the top flight. Um, it's only been beaten once since the drop down into league below. But then my dad, like I said, my dad could have could have had a good rugby career, but he uh, he found other things. Drink, drink being one, and, and I think he regrets that a little bit. So we were always hard on me. Now the the whole family is hard work. My granddad like trained hard. My dad trained, still trains hard to this. To this day, to be honest, he's, he's still really fit for his uh, for his age. So working hard were a really big thing that got installed into me that, that stood me in very good stead. But the downside to that was that, that it did push me and it was pushing me to the point where, like, kind of like his his way of keeping me grounded even when I was the best player in the teams that I was playing with his, his way of keeping me grounded was to sort of push me in the sense of uh, basically were telling me I would crap every game if I, if I would average then I would crap and even when I played well he'd pick out the bits that I didn't do good uh, just to kind of keep me grounded and as a kid I took that quite hard like I did struggle with confidence quite early on and well, to, to be fair quite, quite a while into into my professional career but the one big thing that I did get from him like I say he'd installed hard work so when I got to York City I mean even before then like even at sort of Glass Out and, and Frickley like I, by that point I enjoyed training I would go into the gym and I would go in, out running in, in my own time and And some of the lads, uh, when I signed for York, actually, I remember having the the conversation because I used to go sprint training on my my days off of when I was there. Because the the thing was with that as well, when I first signed, because I'd come from a good job and I would, at uni, if I'd have just dropped out of uni where I was, then I would have just left with no qualifications. And I had like a year left to get in before I got the first qualification. Before I got to the HMD level. So I actually asked Billy at the time, um, look, I really want to sign, but can you just let me do continue? I like, it's a day off every Thursday. Are you all right? And they were fine with that, to be fair. So I was missing a day there. So I was always trying to make it up on my days off and in evenings. I would be out there and I was working hard. And even at training, I can always remember both Colin and Billy kicking me off the training ground sometimes because I'd still be out there playing two touch with, with one of the lads and or something like that. So once I'd got my foot in the door at York City, I always felt when I was when I walking into a club and this were all the way up to kind of championship level as well I always felt like I was behind people I always felt like these guys are above me these guys are better than me I need to come in and I need to, to think. but my attitude to that well I'm willing to work the hardest team and at some point I will be the best player
1: did, did you Absolutely. think that because of the route you came into to football, if you'd have gone through an academy, you you would have kind of felt that you were the same level or possibly
2: so? Yeah, like I I just thought these guys are professionals and I'm an like, amateur footballer. That's what it, it was. So it, it was that. Yeah, it was definitely the route that I came in. And like I said, a l- l- like, little bit of confidence issues. So I, I straight away like I'm like outside of football, I'm, I'm I'm a pretty confident person, but I don't know if any of the lads will remember how I was like every changing room that I've gone into. Like I've been really really quiet from from months before I finally. Get used to everybody and come out, come out of my shell a little bit. So yeah, and, and that was kind of a, a status thing. I, I felt like. I needed to, to earn this. These guys are here. These guys are professionals. These guys are at this club for a reason. Like, I'm I'm coming up. So I'm the one that's behind all that. Like I said, the, the football eventually did sort of do the talking. But but yeah, that, that was kind of the mindset that I had. I, I felt like I had to do that. So my attitude to that, which like did me really well throughout my career, is I'm just going to work the hardest. Like, I'm just going to work harder than anybody else. And eventually, I'll become the best. And that's what happened to a certain point until probably later on in the career. You do start to... Take the foot off the gas a bit because you think, "Oh, it's, uh, I, I do, I do belong to be here now." And, and that had the opposite effect. You take the foot off the gas for different reasons. Like I said, once you have a family and stuff like that, there's different priorities and things. But I can see like the, the curve of, my, of how my career went. It followed what I was doing off the pitch. To be honest, it was as I say that, like the lads. I always remember having a few conversations with Ben Perkins at the time like he couldn't believe that I was going out and doing sprint training on my days off and, and going to like an athletics club and, and doing all that but that's I, I do think that that's what got me to the to the next level and the next level
1: because it's interesting there because you, you've talked there about such a sort of lack of confidence and and you know your dad being you're hard on you at, at times and stuff like that yet really to York fans certainly I'm sure a lot of York fans would agree w- with me that you did sort of burst almost onto the scene in that, in that Stafford game and I remember being surprised you weren't named man of a match, even though you'd only been on half an hour. And then the next, you know, after that impressive cameo against Stafford, you started the next game away to uh, Crawley, and it was nearly a dream debut for you. You got a header, I think, after 25 seconds saved by. Ben Hamer who now plays in the championship but it turned into a bit of a nightmare didn't it because Tom Evans got sent off at the other end after a quarter of an hour and you were sort of a sacrificial lamb so how did that yeah. make you feel with all that sort of confidence issues what what, what was Billy like when, when you had to be subbed off
2: he explained it I can remember that very very clearly as well it's uh, one of those things I would have absolutely gutted uh, and I can remember like speaking to my dad after the game and said I can't believe I were the one that took me off a Like, I'm, and then you, you start to think about everything then oh, am I going to am I gonna get the, the chance the next game or is it going to be like am I going to have to wait but yeah it was, it was one of them it, it very disappointing to say the least and, and like I say but the circumstances were it, I got the explanation and, and then it was not long after that then that things sort of resumed and I got back playing again but yeah like I say I, I can remember getting off to a really really good start with, with York there would never a sort of period of easy my way in, like I did, because, like I say, the, the the thing of probably feeling behind it when it weren't warranted, I, I probably was deserving to be there, but it just didn't feel that at the time. I I I felt for a long time that I had things to prove, and then eventually you settle down and it gets to the point where I was a prickly, the that like, where it's just enjoyable football then, and that's when you you are then. Playing your best because you, you're just going out there and you, you're playing as a kid. You're not you're not worried about anything. You're not you're not scared of uh, of making mistakes. You, you're just playing football.
1: Well, that's it. And your response was was excellent. Really, when I look back, you know, you scored three goals in in the following week. The first being at home to Morecambe where your outstretched leg turned in a Donaldson cross. And I mean, what do you remember about that goal? And and I guess it was difficult for you to celebrate because we were two 0 down. I've, I think you sort of watching the YouTube. I sent you the YouTube clip the other day, didn't I? that you sort of tried yeah. to celebrate and then sort of ran back to the halfway line, like, like you. I guess you. Did when you two two one 2-1 down
2: yeah and I can again I can remember that like it was yesterday because it was the most awkward moment anyway, because I just wanted to celebrate I wanted to celebrate like I'd just scored a goal like the, the first professional goal I can always remember Manny coming running over to me as if he were going to celebrate with me and then he's like he's realised hang on we're, we're still one behind so then he's like sort of half-pied me and gone and got the ball so I was just in this really awkward celebration and then like it's just like alright yeah we better get my kid. that's exactly what it was like I, I really wanted to celebrate but it was like oh yeah, we're
1: about to get the ball then. Yeah, move on. I mean, I mean, your season was really strong, wasn't it? Twenty six starts, eight goals, and the and the team as well. You know, made the playoffs. What was the what was the dressing room like to be part of, and, and who were the sort of characters in there?
2: It was a really good dressing room. There, you had a lot of dif- different personalities in there. We had. I I've got pretty close with uh, with Lloydy. Uh, Ty McGurk, obviously, and, and Manny, quite early doors because we had a little cast all coming from from the same way on, and so I got really close with them. They were characters in themselves. You, you like great, just a great set of lads you'd always have a laugh with. You had Dugby was a, a, a character in a lot of different ways. He was a disgusting human being, but again, a, a great a great guy. And then you've you sort of got Brody. Were always a character. He was a loud one, the the sort of yeah, the one that you can you couldn't show up. You had Mark Convery with his uh, his quirky uh, quirky OCD, but it was the first time I'd met anybody who would quite like him in my life, so I would t- sort of scratch him in a little bit and did say anything to some of the little routines and uh, and things that he did. But there were a lot, it was, just a great, it was just a great bunch, it was just a really enjoyable place and like I say, for the, the whole time that I was there, I was just in awe, I was just loving it, like I'd been, I was getting paid to be a professional footballer and that's all I'd ever wanted and it had gone, like I said, it had gone to the to the point where I thought that's not going to happen. I would out in normal. I would out in work. I was would, I would kind of concentrating on life outside of football because that's just as it was. And then
1: because I, I think I'd, I'd noted in another interview, he'd said that actual facts. It was it was probably less money playing for York and far less security. You know, one year contract. And you know, if you'd have stayed doing the course you were doing, it was a bit of a progression there. And is that right?
2: Yeah, that is right. Yeah, and that, that's that's one of the reasons why. I Really, if you'd have turned around and said no, you you can't have your day off to go to uni, then I would have probably still took took. T- the, the opportunity to jump at it but that was the reason with me saying look do you mind if I just do this because if you if you ditch me after a year I'm, I'm left in limbo then so I, I want to sort of have something to, to sort of fall back on but at the same time like I say I, I was just kind of thinking I'm, I'm going to grab this I, I'm I'm taking my chance here like I say I was doing everything that I could outside of football and kind of local to me luckily because my like my dad is well known like sort of on the rugby side. There's a local um, a rugby club near me that gave gave me access to their facilities. So I'd, I'd be in there with a the ball all the time, quite regular, like on the evenings and stuff after training. And some of the days I'd be absolutely knackered, but I'd just be in there. It's weird when I look back because now if I if I play and train now at my age, I hurt. Mm. And I used to think about the stuff. I used to like I say I used to get up on my days off and I'd be going sprint training or and, or I'd get home from training. Like if if the coaching staff had kicked me off if I wanted to do a little bit extra to training and, and the guys were like no you know no one's doing anything extra for training we need you to save your legs I'd go home and, and then I'd, I'd go and get a ball out anyway. And yeah. I think that's the kind of attitude that anybody at, at this level and, and lower needs to have because because you look at full-time football and what you're doing as opposed to part-time football training training an hour, an hour and a half, two nights a week and then playing on a weekend as opposed to training four of the five work days, sometimes double sessions, and then the games on a weekend are, are at higher intensity. Like that, the, the gap's just only going to get bigger. So you need to be willing as a, as a young lad, if, you, if you're wanting to kind of make it up the, the same way I do, you need to be willing to do that things because you're not going to get there without it because the players that's already above you are already doing more.
1: What was it like playing with, with Clayton Donaldson? You, you seem to have a really good understanding and, and Clayton certainly said when we interviewed him that you were almost like the missing link for the team and he, he held you in such- which I regard.
2: It would always a pleasure to play with with, with Clayton. Let's like, say you could you could shank a bad ball into the corner and make it look like a good one. His pace would you would just I think pretty quickly at, at York, which hasn't happened at some of the other clubs, is. It were easy to know what style of play we were playing, simple but but effective. Sometimes things get over complicated and when players are sort of not clear on what's needed of them as a whole in a team, then you can kinda of get players just doing their own thing because they've learned different things from different managers. So you, you can you can find yourself on a different wavelength, like a striker running in the corner and I'm thinking he's just around the corner, whatever whatever the situation is. I, I think at York we we all kind of found ourselves sort of linking up really well quite quite quickly. It it was really easy to come into that, and Clayton like again like speak really highly of him in in, in return. To be honest, because like I say, he'd, uh, he'd make a bad ball into a good one, no matter what it was. But then he'd also return the favour if like with the assists as well. He, he will. It'd still get to the byline himself, and like I said, that first um, goal that I scored, it was Clayton that, that sent it across, and and that's what it was. And I knew sort of if to, if it were breaking down the other side, whether it were Clayton or one of the other lads, then getting the back post because I've half a chance of getting on the end of something. So so yeah, it was just easy all round. Like I say, it was, I, it was really good football, to be honest. Uh, from from looking back, I, I look back and I think. Was I just raw, just running about like a headless chicken? And and I possibly was, to be honest, because I think that's sometimes what you need at non-league. I struggled a little bit on the way back down because I'd got used to... A certain style of play, and become a different thing. I became came more of a footballing midfielder rather than a just a, a head down winger. That's all right at the higher levels when you've got all the rest of the team on the same wavelength, knowing how to help you out and, and get you out of trouble. You get a little bit more respect from from the opposition. You're playing on better pitches. It becomes an easier game to play. And I mm. found that that's been the difficult thing coming back down the leagues is just being getting used to again. Maybe maybe I just need to be that that sort of just just run about. And things will drop, and so I tried to get that back into my game a little bit. But yeah, I, I honestly think that could be what it was at York. I think I, I think the rawness was a big advantage for me, to be honest.
1: And what what was it like playing for Billy? Because you know Billy was a bit of a marmite type manager. I think for, for players, probably and supporters, you know, he, he was very much sort of unique in, in in his own sort of style, wasn't he? What What was he like for you, and, and how did he develop your career?
2: I liked him again, like with some someone like that they've given me a chance do you know what I mean so I always never liked it and I, and I found it all the way through like managers will sign players and then that player will turn against him once things things aren't going right they'll, they'll start to moan about him and things but, and, and, and I, I just don't think that's right because it's not always down to down to the manager like I said things towards the end weren't going great when, when Billy had to had to part but, but I still do see that the positives of what we did we had a couple of good seasons there like I said the first year that I were there we made the playoffs and, and things like that and, and maybe that then sets the bar of where you need to be and when you fall short that sometimes people are are wanting blood but like I liked Billy I I really like honestly liked him he 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 had a weirdness about him that gave us a little bit of uh, a banter between the lads um, with some of the stuff some of the phrases and some of the stuff that he came out with but that's always a good thing for me I think if the if the lads as long as it's not kind of a nasty bit of banter then I think that's good and it's healthy within a club but I liked him and I liked a lot of, of stuff that he he did again I look back and I were, I were young. I, I'm kind of trying to have a, an opinion now looking back. Um, I, I don't know. I think... At the time, I I might have just been on cloud nine and and just nothing would have fazed me at that point anyway. And maybe that's still the lens that I I see York City through because, like I say, I do owe everything really to to York City. So you're going to be hard pushed to find me saying anything negative about any of my time at York. So I I just, like I say, I I loved every minute. But I wanted to finish my career back at York and for for one reason or another it hasn't happened and it's highly unlikely it's going to happen. But I would have loved to have finished back there where
1: I started. That was one of my questions Questions later on. You mentioned about the, about the playoffs there against Morecambe and, I, and I, I look back at some of the interviews around that time and I found one where you were really, really critical of your own performance. You were sort of saying I'm, I'm fuming with how I've played and stuff. I, I couldn't really remember you, you playing particularly bad or standing out like that. Was it just a, a personal sort of maybe you were hurt because, you know, obviously the carrot of Wembley being there and promotion and it'd been such a, a rise, hadn't it, from Frickley to come in and have that season like you did personally and, and with the team. Do you, do you remember saying that in an, I think it was with Evening Press.
2: Yeah, yeah, I do remember that actually, and I I, I would just go that day. I, I can remember the dodge picking me up off the floor after the final whistle had gone and uh, giving me a sympathetic rub on rub on the head, like and, and just sort of trying to get all the lads back together again. But it, it, it was it heartbreaking because that was the biggest thing that I'd been involved in. we were lucky enough to go on to much bigger games after that, but at the time that was huge for me because I I'd kind of because I were off the back of the year the, the, the year before getting refused from league football again, and. like say even though like I'd, I'd made it into professional football and there was still that element of wanting to play football league and that, that to me felt like my last chance as stupid as that sounds because I was like a young kid you're thinking that this is my last chance now I've been rejected from, from Barnes I've been rejected from Donny I've been rejected from uh, sort of Stockport literally last season it's like I'm, I'm not going to get there Like or that game or like the last chance to get there. she like I say. I know that sounds stupid now, looking at it, because I was I was young, and if I'd have known that at the time, but it, it just felt like the opportunity to get into into the football league and just passed me by and, and I didn't think I played well in that game I can I can still remember not thinking I, th- I think you're probably right I will probably over over critical I think I just had a quieter game I don't think I did anything that was or I can't remember if there were any bad misses or anything like that in, involved in the game I, I don't know but I, I can just pro- I probably just had a, a quiet game and I, I probably wanted to more out myself probably got a bit of my dad rubbing off on myself there to be honest because I know he would have been highly critical of me at that stage in my life anyway so I thought I might as
1: well get it in there first. <laughs> well, he can't have been too critical of the 2007 8 season because you were flying, weren't you? 45 starts, 14 goals, another two in the FA Trophy. You had England Sea caps as well. I mean, for someone who isn't a striker, I mean, those are really impressive stats, aren't they? But was it just that season for the team that Billy lost his job, didn't he? But but losing Clayton going on a free to Hibbs, and they didn't have the money to reinvest in the side was that what, why it didn't work out for us that, that second season with, with York and were you frustrated because you were playing so well and, and, and the team were doing quite poor
2: I don't know if I, were, I were frustrated with with me doing well and the team doing poor I, I think I the first bit of what you said there. I think Clayton were, were obviously a big miss someone like him is it, it's not easy to just get a, a, another striker to come in and, and fill those boots I, I think he, he was a miss without being too negative on, on the lads that came in, but uh, yeah, it, it was disappointing. To, to generally speaking, like as a team, do do poor. I can remember getting more of a free role in that season and as much as i'd start on one wing I, I were pretty much allowed to go where i wanted so i think that helped with with me personally getting on the on the score sheet but yeah it, it was it was disappointing uh, as i say I, I don't know what else to say about that to be honest like I say i would obviously like to say i I'm delighted. like like you, you look at that really and I, again it was an achievement to score that many goals from the wing but it, it was one of them again like I say with, with the the previous season we would had a taste of it and and then to fall short the, the one after it's it's, it's it's never nice and then it was a little bit bitter for me to see Billy go like you, you feel a little bit guilty I'm one of his signings and then he's got the sack and it just feels a little bit like you're to blame kind of thing not that I, I take it all on, on my shoulders I was quite pleased with with my overall personal season but it, it's yeah there's, there's little things like that but it's not it's not nice in football and it was a shame to see Billy go as much as like I say I, he mar my mate and uh, even the dressing room by, by that point there were quite a few of the lads not having him and, and that, that again is always, I don't like that either. We're going to change room. But yeah, fan, fans and 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 a few of the dressing room weren't weren't having him, and unfortunately he went. But I still hold him in in high regard from from the time I was
1: there. Yeah, I think most of the fans do as well. I mean, I, I think he did a he did a great job in in context of everything sort of before and after him. With, with those goals, getting so many goals like you did, particularly in a struggling side and in the non league. I mean, you had clubs after you, didn't you? Were you ever close to leaving York early? than you did, with like in the January or anything like that. The
2: only club that I got, I made got made a of that were interested was Cheltenham and I went down to Cheltenham and I was basically ready to sign I was oblivious to the fact that Scunthorpe had been watching me that forced their hand I remember having the, the, the conversation when I first sat down with Nigel and, and he said we, you were probably another season away from signing you we just wanted you to, to stick with it and, and get with, with it. we thought it were a little bit early but because Cheltenham had came in and I was I was going to sign there that, that forced their hand a little bit and obviously it were another league up so it was the difference between League 2 and League 1 and much closer to home it just it, it was just more a, a lot a lot more appealing albeit the fact that like I say I would have jumped to, at the chance to, to go to Cheltenham because as much as it was um, a tough place to leave was York City it, it, it were always ambition to, to do as, as well as I could if that would have it would have got promoted that first season and we were in League 2 and, and things have that it might have been a different story about what happened to me in my career but like I say the, the ambition was always there once I'd sort of got my foot in the door and got a taste of professional football I was, I was kind of determined to make a make a go of
1: it Once you scored that I mean you scored on your final home game against uh, Farsley did you know at that point then that you'd be leaving because I know York offered you a new contract didn't it but were, you, were kind of wheels already in motion then that you knew that by the end of that season you, you'd be leaving I knew, I
2: knew Cheltenham were there at that point. I didn't know whether nothing was set in stone, nothing was sort of uh, there. But I, I had got, I had got an agent at that point, uh, and then they they start to advise uh, in certain ways. And and because they had had a, a good a good season personally, um, it were kind of just getting advised to, to not sign a, another contract. Uh, but but yeah, I didn't did know that were there. Well, I was actually still under contract when I left, which I think. Uh, without realising that, I think Jason actually speaks very highly of me because I, I didn't need to sign another contract. I was doing well enough to sort of just see the season out. But I, I weren't bothered. I, I was just happy at the door offering me another contract. So it was just like, I'm happy to sign. If someone else is there, then if it gives a bit back to the club, then then fine. But like I didn't really think anything of that. It was Jason that mentioned that because I think he'd, he'd been burned quite a few times with people. Well, particularly with
1: Clayton, I guess, a year before going on a free...
2: Possibly, he didn't, he didn't yeah. it didn't name it. Specific names or anything like that, but but yeah, I, I think so. But that's one of the things I don't like about football, and I have seen it on quite a few different occasions. It's very every man for himself type environment, and that is what that is one of the things that. I, that later on in my career, I did sort of fall out of love with the game a little bit off the back of a few things that, that had happened and, and showcased that, but. As I say, as a young lad, I didn't think nothing of that. I just got brought up the fact that I'd signed a contract when I didn't need to, when I was getting the attentions and stuff like that. I, I, was, I was still happy to sign it. Well, so I didn't really think anything of it. It was him that brought
1: it up. Moving on to Scunthorpe, I mean, you scored four minutes into your first start against Brighton, which must have helped you be taken in by their fans. We mentioned about confidence before at the, at the start of the interview. Um, I guess that must have really helped with your scoring that early on in, in your debut for them. And like you say, you've bypassed the division there, haven't you? You've gone past League Two. Were you having any doubts about the sort of confidence of, of stepping up to that level?
2: It were and like I say again, it was the same situation. It were, it were more like in in the changing rooms. Like I'd, I'd, I'm, now in the the changing room with these professional footballers. I'm just a non-league player. I'm just I've I've come from the conference. Like I'm the one that has to prove myself. These guys are better than me, so I need to step up. And that that's kind of it. it would. Definitely a trend that went through until you kind of coming down the other side. It, it, it possibly has a, a the opposite effect at that point. You, you're just playing the game that you love. That will have definitely held the nerves, to be honest. That that early goal, and uh, again, things were simpler then because, like some thought were kind of we had a small squad, so you you were always in and around it. Even even early doors, you were kind of straight there. Even though, the, like I said, the manager Nigel had said to me that it was probably a year early and he didn't think that already yet. He'd said that to me. But despite that, you're automatically in and around the squad. You're a new signing and the squad's not huge. So it, it's like you've always got that chance. And like I say, scoring early on is, is always a good thing because it, it puts it in the fans' mind that you should be playing and the fans have a lot of influence in what happens in a, in a football club. So when that's a, it, it's like if if you're not starting games after scoring goals, it's like people want to know why. So you've got to explain that away. Whereas if, if someone's not scoring goals, it's pretty easy to, to explain that he's oh he's not quite ready yet or we just need to give him some time. But like I say, when when you do get off to that start where where you get your name on the on the score sheet, I think it goes further than playing really well and not getting on the score sheet. The the name on the score sheet kind of forces forces their hand a little bit more than that does.
1: I, I think I noted down that, that you played something like fifty two games, you scored seven goals that season. But your most memorable game at hand goal has to be the playoff final against Millwall, which was, was really like Roy of the Rovers stuff looking at it I mean uh, you set up the first goal Millwall equalise them, I and I think they scored it was an absolute world wasn't it about two minutes later to put your 2-1 behind you set up another equaliser and then you score the winner Late on, all of this in front of 60,000 people at Wembley Stadium I mean, describe that game from your perspective because it, it is mad looking at it even on a YouTube highlights reel
2: Yeah, the, it, it, pop, it pops up on uh, on uh, on football goal every now and again and do, do you know what, I'd not watched it back for quite some years and I don't know why, I don't know what it was the, the reason why, but um, i just never really seen it back but um, watching it back, you, you just relive it I mean, you, we went down there like the day before and my name gets spelt all different ways, both first name and second name, particularly my second name. And I can remember we went down there, we're going and having a look around Wembley Stadium, and all the shirts are up. So we're having pictures taken, and I'm sat there in front of my shirt, and the pictures are getting taken away. And one of the lads said, Is that how to spell your surname? And I've looked around, and it was W O O L D. F-O-R-D. So they just stuck a random D in the middle of my name. So I went gutted then thinking I'm going to be playing at Wembley Stadium. Luckily there they were enough time they, they got onto someone up at, up in Scunthorpe, got on to print one off and uh, somebody had to drive down in advance van specifically with my shirt just so it was spelt right on the day. But yeah, like everything about that day I was just running off pure adrenaline. It was the hottest day in the world. It was the most sort of taxing game energy wise but it was just one of them where you just didn't feel like you were running out of energy like I said there's 60,000 people there granted nearly like 45 of them were Millwall fans I think but still you can hear the noise in the stadium and the atmosphere of the day and it was just like say an absolute whirlwind and game when we, yeah, we went 1-0 up they scored to but like Alexander's second, well, like you said, one of the best. Yeah, unbelievable. At the stadium, and then we equalized, and then must have been less than five minutes before before I went and scored. Alexander had the, the easiest chance to make it. His hat trick. He had a, had a header like within the six yard box, and and he missed that was the pivotal moment really because if they'd have scored that, it would have been sort of hard going for us to to pull it back again. But the ball he kind of broke through a little bit of a ricochet. It broke back to our player. He's passed it out to me, and there were no finesse about it. It was just I'm hitting this as hard as I can I took a touch out of my feet and, and just smashed it and I, it, well, the, the power that, that did it, it weren't exactly placed right in the corner it just sort of squeezed under the keeper but yeah after that it was just sort of madness the lad grappled to the the ground and then Final whistle, I just didn't know what to do with myself. I was just running around like a, like a madman, straight over to our fans. like. And then the whole night from, from there is a, a blur. And it was, well, yeah, huge for, huge for me. I, I kind of, in the interview after the game, because that's part of what's on the on the, the TV thing, I can, I can just remember saying I was, I was a non league player less, uh, a, a year ago. And for me now to be a championship footballer, it's a, it's a dream come true. And that's that's exactly what it was. Like I say, though, those couple of years to, to go from where I was thinking, not going to be a footballer. I'm, I'm working on a building site, albeit having a decent job. I'm with this is this is it. This is why football is not going to happen. And then to be, within a, a few years to play in the championship, it was it was something special for me that day. I'll, I'll never forget at all managing to pick up a couple of assists the winning goal and, and the man of the match as well it was yeah, something that I'll, that'll stick with me I've got the shirt on the wall behind me
1: Funny when you say that it was a baking out day and it was sort of energy sapping yet when you score you're just literally off running pretty much the full length of the pitch before they sort of bring you to the ground I mean it, it is incredible when you when you look at it like you say I mean you've, you've gone from the Northern Premier League to the Championship in, in some like three seasons I mean other than Jamie Bowdy I can't really think of many more that have had that progression so fast you must have looked back at summer or maybe you didn't because you were still quite young but sort of think it's incredible a few years ago you, you were trying to sell yourself on these trials and getting knocked back yet now I'm sure there would be loads of clubs that would have been after you at that, at that point I mean it, it's a, such a turnaround it's weird how football works like that exactly
2: that and I think it was just down to just the, the stuff that I got doing off the pitch like I say I, I mean these things now I've obviously got, got kids myself now all being a, a couple of girls but obviously I want them to do well in, in whatever they're doing and the things that I will take out of what got instilled me will be the hard work and graft and grafted, knowing that if you do put the time and effort in you'll you'll be able to achieve things. The the things that we'll do, be doing different will be will be sort of trying to teach the reasons for doing things. I like I got brought up in very much a do this, do that. Environment. There were never kind of any explain explanation behind that, and, and a lot of the stuff we kind of do, as I say, not as I do. There, there were a lot of falling outs when I kind of got to teen, latter teenage years, and started going out drinking and stuff like that. My dad hated it. Yet yeah, he was the one that they were still doing it, still out out every night and every weekend sorry not every night I've painted him even worse than what he is but uh, but he was a very social person so it would hard for me I got brought up in a pub on the weekends I'd be playing pool with my mate with his glasses of coke and we'd be playing pool and playing darts and that, that was kind of a, a very regular thing so it was very hypocritical of him to be telling me not to, not to drink. So there were a couple of years where there were a lot of rebelling about how I was being raised, but there is a lot that I owe to, to the way that I was well in terms of the hard work. That is all it wasn't. I just wish there were a bit more belief, to be honest. Like I say, I still didn't didn't believe. I can remember having a conversation actually on one of the Christmas duos at York, and the the conversation came about of, well, I'm not where I want to be yet. And the lads were like, the conversation went on I got asked like, well, where do you want to be? And I said, premiership. And the lads sort of laughed it off. And I said, well, that that don't mean to say that I'm saying I'm good enough to be there uh, at this moment in time or that I'll ever be good enough to be there. But I said, it's not going to stop me trying until the the career's been and gone. And and as much as I was saying that, like, uh, and that kind of... Work ethic got me so far, there was still a, a limiting belief of, of how far I could actually go. And I think that's that's the only difference of getting so far and then halting to, to going all the way. Like I said, I didn't necessarily believe that I was I good enough to get there.
1: When you, when you mentioned your dad earlier about sort of possibly downgraded sort of your performances, what did he say after the Scunthorpe Millwall game then, when, you, when you'd scored the winner and got man of a match and the two assists and everything? And did he just say you played all right? Or?
2: There was an actual really awkward moment over a drink, like after. The game, we're all celebrating and stuff like that, and it, it was the first time that he'd sort of give any inclination of being proud. And he did actually try and try and get get the words out. In his very manly, non-emotion type of guy that he is, he, he did sort of try and, and mutter the words that he's proud. It was a really awkward moment, to be honest, because he will like to say it just didn't feel right coming from him, to be honest. But he did actually tell me at that point that he, that he were was proud. So that was something else that it was a little bit of icing on the cake for that day. To to
1: be you mentioned about harboring hopes of playing in the Premier League, and, I, and I've got that written down here because the following season, another memorable game when you you scored a double against Newcastle in a two-one win, and two good finishes, another good performance, and, and Newcastle were a Premier League team playing in the Championship, weren't they? Really, if you look back at the names that were playing that night, they all pretty much played the season before in the Premier League. I mean, I mean, you must have had some clubs from that level looking at you, just just about or certainly taking notice of you for the virtue of that performance. I don't
2: know. Is it is the honest honest answer to that? I don't. I've never heard anything. I've I never got wind of any any premier clubs, uh, Premiership clubs looking. I I was always honestly oblivious to everything until it was happening. Like even even moving from Scunthorpe to to Bristol, uh, which were again like granted it was the same league, but the the status of the club and the sort of size of the stadium and all that kind of things, it it was kind of levels above where Scunthorpe was at that time. We were we were kind of massively overachieving for where Scunthorpe was. But even that, like it came about relatively fast. It weren't as sort of whirlwind as York but it sort of came to the table and within a couple of weeks I, I was I gone Nigel Adkins had already left so he'd, he'd already gone down to Southampton and, and Neil Barraclough had, had taken over and I really liked um, Barra he, he was great, great as a sort of as a coach when I got there under Nigel and he was always great to work with and taking over as a manager like I, I really wanted to do well for him and I, I was doing really well again that season but Bristol City had come in and th- th- this was kind of the first time in my career that money had come into play because it was like a big step from from where it was that the money between York and, and Scunport were a, were a big step this was something else and it was something that the agents getting in my head a little bit saying like this this, this might not be there at the end of the season you need to push to get out and it, it was the first time that I felt, I felt a little bit out of my comfort zone really to be honest because I were having to go into the manager and say look I want to leave which felt a bit wrong in in my in my book to be honest because it sounds as if like you're sort of not happy where you are I was really happy where I was and if that hadn't come about then I would have been perfectly happy there but like I say you're, you're looking at Bristol City you're thinking there's half a chance like that they could get promoted like without being sort of disrespectful to Scunthorpe there would have never they would always going to be a relegation scrap in the championship It would always going to be teetering between like sort of championship relegation and then back down and, and then you're hoping to win league one again like it would never gonna be pushing to to get promoted from the championship. And you're looking at Bristol say like thinking they've got half a chance of getting promoted, like this could be the, the one chance to get into the Premier League. So there was like that big overriding factor as well to say like this this could be my opportunity. So I, I had to I had to push to get out of of Scunthorpe, which it, it never sat right to be honest, but I, I did have to do it, like it, f- for me and for where I was trying to get to. I, I, I had to make that push, but again, it, it all happened within a short space of time. It were, it were obviously like I never heard anything. I moved in the January transfer window, and prior to January, I had I had no clue. It was kind of mid-January. I was still doing well.
1: Deadline day, wasn't it? Because I wondered what that was like for a footballer like you, watching Sky Sports News like fans are, and, and looking at. But I guess you've, you've said there that it was on the cards for a couple a I so maybe not
2: it, it, what it was yeah but then you, you're thinking is it is it gonna happen is it is it gonna is it gonna pass you by and stuff like that and then i literally got the phone call on deadline day to say right it's happening it's a done deal you need to get yourself down to bristol now so i'm ringing my like my girlfriend at the time and saying just to let you know i'm, I'm moving to bristol and it was like oh, all right I'm, well i'm going tonight i'll i'll speak to you after and that that's pretty much how it is like you were obviously aware that that something could be happening but I would, I would always sort of plane it down because I didn't want really to get too excited about myself because, like I say, a new scum pop wanted to keep me so i would not getting too excited about this is happening because they could have just literally just said no you're not going anywhere we need to keep, we need you to, to help keep us up it, it did come to where it was happening and then you're literally driving down the, the, the motorway that part of it is just literally a phone call it's happening get in your car get in your car and go sign so that's like us say I literally shot down there and then I can remember being in, in the in the thing with my agent sat in the hotel then after we'd signed and that, that's when you are sat watching Sky Sports news to see when it's been, when it's been registered and then like a massive Anti-climax because it's literally just your name and it just goes across the screen and that's that's it. It's done, but it well, like
1: it, it meant a lot. And someone else's time for breaking or something like that. Yeah, you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly
2: that. Yeah, it's off there. it takes but, another hour to come back
1: round. But like you say, it was a big step up, wasn't it? And I think like David James was one of your teammates, wasn't he at Bristol? And then two years later, you, you end up moving on again. Another January move to to, to Millwall. I, I just wondered were their fans sort of thinking? Wolford, where have I heard that name before. And then thinking back to, uh, you scoring in a playoff final, did you, did you have to win over some of their supporters?
2: I did. They, they, they still remind me of that. Well, Milwa did a, a, an interview with a couple of weeks ago and, uh, that they've had me on twice and both times have given me a bit of stick about that Bristol City like Bristol City just to touch on that first because I absolutely loved it there the, the city the club everything about it it was just at the, at the time in the January sort of winter, I weren't seeing eye to eye where a new manager that would come in and he, he would obviously want to bring in his own players so I'd gone from playing really really well to then finding myself out of the team and sort of the questions of asking why didn't, didn't go down well with with the manager at the time it he, he, he was sort of the, the type of guy that it, it's because it's my way there, there were no real explanation which frustrated me to be honest I, I always like to to sort of ask the question and, and I would never want to go in and say I should be playing like it would always like I'm I'm not playing why is there anything that I can do to change is there anything that I can improve and I'd always want to know that and it would always frustrating if I just turned around and said no not, not really and like I said there was were, there were a lot of friction there then at that point because it just didn't go well so that was the reason for moving on and then Kenny Jackett rang me up and said look I want you to come. I want you to come and play for us. So we were like, right, fine. Um, I'm not playing here. All I want to do is play football. So, I'm, I'm happy to come for it and play for a manager that wants me. But yeah, turn turn up to Millwall the, the first game. Like I, I'll never again. It's something else I'll never forget. And I was laughing with a with a Millwall lads the other week. It was kind of a welcome. But you always Wolford. You you always have not forgot about that. Welcome to the club. But you better perform. Type welcome. So there' a little bit of uh, of animosity there in within the fans because they're they're very let's go with passionate fans to say the least say what's on the mind let's put it that way so it's so a new you're a new player so we'll welcome you but you've got some making up to do but I think the forgiving moment there was—I uh, scored a goal that kept us up in the in the first season, a header of all, all things against Bournemouth that kept us up. So I think that would have uh, right,
1: you're one of us now. We're yeah, up, and actually scored against Leeds as well, which I think would have probably helped a little bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It, from the outside it looks like it, it might have been a bit of a slog with the relegation battles, but I, I listened to that that Millwall podcast you were talking about, and and obviously there's a lot of love and respect for you at that club, and it seems like you really enjoyed your time there, and, and they really enjoyed you playing for them, and, and you played under e Ian Holloway. Play as well, I mean, he's a bit of a character, isn't he? What, what was he like to play for?
2: I loved him. I got I got asked who was the was the best uh, best manager you've you've played under, and he, and he was my answer for a number of different reasons. He's like I say, him being a character, it's it's comedy around the training ground every single day. A great person to work for. He's mad as a box of frogs, but he makes it enjoyable. Um, and one of the reasons that I, that I respect him because I found out while while I were there, I found out that while he was out of a job, he went out to Spain and studied why certain teams could keep the ball so. Well, And and he studied why that wasn't it. And he implemented that. And when he first came in at Millwall, he changed things around very, very quickly. We were dead and buried when he took over. I think we had like eight games left and I think we won six of them, I think. And and like I say, it, it sort of ended with that. That one against uh, Bournemouth, so it, it, it were like for him to do that and got us playing really good football in such a short space of time. The second season, then under him, we set off really well, really, really well for like the first month, and then we had a really vital injury in the the, the style of play that he liked. It was it were key that everybody could play the role they were playing, and, and the two pivotal positions for him were the fullbacks. They were very important. They were more like wingers. They were the the, the style. It the early style of, of of the fullbacks becoming sort of. The wingers and, and getting crosses in, and that's when I became more of a, a footballing midfielder. Because so I was would, I would, I would, I would getting asked to drop in short and get like, picking up in areas and the rotation and all that kind of stuff. Were, were... Were brilliant! It was really enjoyable time to to play. We really enjoyable football to, to play in. But as I say, we, we got an injury to one of his fullbacks, Carlos Edwards, and and from there it kind of broke down because the the cover that we had was a a defending fullback. It weren't like a, a type of of winger fullback getting forward, and, and it and it broke down, and the whole system didn't work. And and it's not I'm not saying that it was just like one person's fault. I'm not I'm just saying that it weren't his style of play and. And from there, then Holloway like, sort of did lose his way a little bit. He was scrambling to try and force and make it work. And we ended up bringing in a, a big, huge six-foot-seven striker and just and just going long. And, and it, it, the, the football then did get worse and worse. But I do think without that injury, I think we would have had a really really good season, but unfortunately went the other way and and, and ended up ended up getting sacked and, and the Millwall fans don't like him now. But I really enjoyed playing under him both for the football, what we're getting and what we're learning from him on the training ground and then the character all rolled into one. And that was why I'd put him as the the manager that probably top of my list.
1: You were an established Championship player for a, for a number of years. I mean, you, you did drop down to League One, signing for Sheffield United. Which, although it's a drop down in, in terms of levels, it felt to me again from the outside that it that it was a perfect move for you. Almost, you know, you're back up north, you're reunited with Nigel Atkins, who who you've done so well for it. Scum for why why did it not not quite work out at Sheffield United?
2: Yeah, that, that sort of total flip of the coin. Like say, there, Millwall stand me in high regard, and, and a lot of the other clubs I play for do. Sheffield United def- definitely don't. The the fans don't like me at all that. I didn't get off to the flying start that I had done like you say when I went into Scunthorpe the the signing got dragged out a lot longer than what I was I knew I was signing in the summer uh, while we were away but it didn't happen until sort of halfway through pre-season so I missed out on a lot of training so when we were going into like the friendlies at the latter end of pre-season the rest of the lads getting up towards match fitness I was just starting out so I kind of I was off the mark by by quite a bit to be honest and one of the, the a few games into pre-season one, one of the kind of pre-season games is actually a, a competitive game it's one of the cup matches and we're playing a, a lower league side and, and like I say I still were up to full fitness and the, the problem is that I, like my style of play as well is I've always been a runner like just getting myself about the pitch and, and finding myself in the right areas and anticipating stuff the actual running side of the game is, is actually huge for me so when I'm not able to quite get to those positions like it, it puts my game back quite a lot and the, the thing is the first thing that goes when you're tired is your brain so you start making mistakes you start doing sloppy passes because like the tired tiredness is there and your, your decision making and everything goes out the window because it's it's fatigue you're tired and in that game like I say I got I got I didn't play well I was making sort of tired mistakes and this one in like the first half like I just weren't up to up to match fitness and Nigel dragged me sort of straight away at, at half time so I, I would always then from that point scrambling because then I, I would in and out of the team the season got started after that and I had sort of not made my mark yet so I were in and out of the team and I, I never were getting up getting that run of games to where I were getting up to full fitness like, like I said, when, when I'd signed at York, I'd been playing week in, week out. So I was, it was straight in, it, it was that. And it was the same from York to Scunthorpe. I'd played a full season.
1: I'd... That's obviously the first time in your career that you've ever had to... Come up with that, and that's a little bit later on. How, how difficult was that for you to deal with? And, and as you as you're a wide player who plays on the wing, can you hear what crowds are shouting at you and then stuff? Because I know I've heard you say that Sheffield United fans work the best with you.
2: The thing is, as a kid, when I'm playing in front of like low, like sort of lower leagues and this thing I could hear like the one person. It'd be usually my dad. You can physically hear what they're <laughs> saying. When you get up to that level where there's sort of twenty five thousand fans in the in the stadium, it's like a collective moan and groan. And and you get that when you give the ball away. It's like oh and you hear sort of murmurs and shouts you, you can't exactly make out what they're saying unless you sort of get close enough but you, you get the gist of it anyway and Sheffield United the thing was at Sheffield United when I signed we were, sort of, we were odds on favourites to go up we had the biggest budget in the league Nigel had come in as, as the new manager and, and his track record previous to that had obviously been, been very good and then as a team we underperformed me being one of them but, but everybody we, we underperformed like the, the thing was Nigel inherited a huge squad which weren't just the previous manager's squad. It was the, the previous manager and the previous so like There were kind of players there that were, were already starting to be a bit poisonous. They, they were sort of all negative and it, it was were, it were a really negative atmosphere at, at Sheffield. Were, don't get me wrong, there were some really good lads in and amongst that, but there were some bad eggs in there as well. And, and that has an effect. And, and like I said, we underperformed as a team. And unfortunately for Nigel, he got the blame. And then so do all his signings. They get the brunt of everything. So literally, it were, it were all us, barring Billy Sharp because he's, he's a he's, he's, he's a blade. So he was the one that got a little bit of leeway. But the rest of us were just getting sort of dog's abuse and... And I, and I left like they, they hate me to the, the Chef United fans because I left like the last game of the season we we're actually playing Scunthorpe and I would play playing and we like I said the season we're dead and buried we'd finished tenth or whatever and I got subbed off with about like sort of half an hour to go and all the Chef United fans like the whole lot of them give it this like sarcastic cheer and I've sort of lost my head I'd had another bad game so I was mad at myself I'm mad at everything else and I'm just kind of stuck. Stuck my thumbs up like a, it was a sarcastic thumbs up, but I got to my phone after the game and my Twitter were going absolutely mad because the, the cop end of the stadium, which were the opposite side to where I was, they thought I'd stuck twos up at them. So it was like, oh, I don't know how you can be this disrespectful. I were getting dog, like, absolute dog's abuse on, on Twitter. Yeah, that lasted out. Like I said to to the manager after the game, look, do I I put an apology out there and and explain that it weren't? Because I definitely didn't stick to it. I won't be that disrespectful. But there was a little bit of sarcasm in what I was doing anyway. And like it was a bit of pettiness from me, but it definitely weren't as disrespectful as what they thought. But he says, no, just leave it. He says, they'll they'll forget about it like over the the summer. Well, Nigel got sacked straight away. So I'd gone away then. And the the disappointing thing for me, because I have been at clubs, like Bristol, I didn't get off to a flying start to be honest, it took me a while, it was more the second season when I started doing well at this stuff, but, I'd gone away that summer and said right like I know the reason why I got off to a bad start in the season there it was because I weren't fit enough and yeah there were, there were excuses to say some of it were out of my control because like I said the, the club dragged it out way too long I should have just been signing and, and having a pre-season but at the same time I could have probably been doing more to, to make sure I was going in there and keeping fit but it's, it's hard when you're just on your own so because that had happened I'd gone away that summer then and, and just thought right I'm coming back in the best shape of my life and there's no chance that is happening to me again I may making up for that season like I've I've dropped down from the championship to league one and I've I've underperformed like hold my hands up that's down to me so I went away and like I came back in the best shape that I'd been in but about two weeks before going back the new manager took over Chris Wilder took over and I literally just got a text saying you're on the transfer list All right, like right so I'm sort of having conversations with my agent and stuff like that what do I do but at the end of the day I'm going back into training still so I've gone back in in the best shape of my life and then went back in for a week and everything was fine like the manager were okay with me and then a week or two into pre-season, what I didn't know was that like D- Dean Hammond had um, again one of Nigel's signings had underperformed, despite him obviously being a really, really good player. We'd all just under underperformed that that year. But Dean had a, had a, an option in his in his favour, and he triggered that option. Despite the manager saying, I don't want you, don't want you at the club. So that had sort of got a, a bit of back, a, a few backs up. And and Wilder had just said to him, Don't come in, don't want you in. So I think there were a bit of stuff getting him out while that was happening. I was fine. It were, everything was just happening as normal. And as soon as it like, got Dean Hammond, it was out of the club, it was as if I were the next on the list. And he would make it very obvious that he didn't want me there. Like I Just after that, then they took me, they, they took all the lads away for pre season tour. I, did, I got left behind. I was the only one that, that didn't go. So again, I'm missing out on training. I'm just training with like, I'm just training with a fitness coach and, and the kids, but they were only in like twice a week. And it, again, I'm, so I'm falling behind. They're playing friendlies while they're out in on pre-season tour, so I'm missing out on game time and the fitness again. So all that me going away over that summer was just a complete waste of time because as soon as the lads were getting games and stuff like that, I can't compete with getting games like just out on the street on my own. I didn't play any of the pre-season games, and it went pretty much all the way through pre-season before I eventually moved to to Fleetwood. But again, I'd I'd missed pre-season by that point, so again, I didn't. I went to Fleetwood and I, and I didn't hit the ground running. The frustrating thing there was took me again, I would I was just catching up and it would just get into the point where I was feeling like, right, I'm catching up here. This is gonna be fine. And then and then I had the only big injury of my career and I pulled my medial off the bone so I spent most of the of the season, like well like right in the middle of the season. And I came back with about a month left of the season. But but the lads were doing really well. They were touching on the playoffs. So I never even got a, a sniff after that. And, and from there, then it's sort of, I'm well the wrong side, I'm, I'm the wrong side of 30. Coming off the back of an injury and, and a season where I've not played many games, your options all of a sudden are, are very limited. And then add to the fact that at that point, my agent did the old cliche of why agent get get a reputation, fill me full of crap that no club's interested. And then when when the following preseason came round, he just stopped answering his phone. I, I had I had no one make any phone calls from me, so the options. All the clubs had sort of filled the slots at that point, and I was just sort of left like hung out to dry a little bit. So
1: yeah, and just one final thing about Sheffield United, I noticed when I was doing my research that you played at Old Trafford, didn't you, against Man United and in a cup yeah, yeah. game, and and that must have been a special moment because you're a, you're a boyhood Man United fan, aren't you? I
2: am. Yeah. Yes. That that was. I mean, don't get me wrong. There were some really good things uh, within there the, the the season that I had at Sheffield United. It, it is a great club to to be at. The facilities, the the training and stuff like that, and the, and the fans to an extent when they're when they're on your side it, it, it's great they've got their, their, their greasy chip butty song before the game and it, regardless of of how well you're doing before the games it's like they sing that song and and it's yeah there's, there's a lot of good things about that and, and that came out of that season but yeah that the Man United game was were, were definitely a highlight. I'd played against them before for Scunthorpe and managed to score actually. A consolation in a five-two five-two uh, loss. But still that was a proud moment. But then to be to be walking out at Old Trafford that were up there with, with Wembley, that was for me. To to be playing, like saying, in front of the packed, packed Stadium at Old Trafford. And we held on till the ninety-third minute. We held on to a draw till the ninety-third minute and then and then one of the lads gave a penalty away and that was out
1: of the cup, and and you've been, like you mentioned before, you, you you'd sort of come come back down the leagues, and uh, and you also mentioned that there was a you wanted to finish your career at York. I know I remember seeing you at Dan Parsler's testimonial uh, last year. What, how close did it ever come to signing for York again? And what what era are we talking here?
2: Before I signed for Boston, I went uh, and met up with the manager, and it just didn't happen for for one reason or another. I I, I don't really it, it was again a bit late to be honest. He'd, he'd got his Squad together, so I don't think he, he could see how I'd how old and necessarily fit in there, and I, I don't know, like, I say how we were looking at, at the type of player that that I was. But yeah, and then, and then the following season they said, "Why don't you just come in training?" Boston were there at that point, and in hindsight, I, I put because I could have stayed like after after leaving Grimsby, I I could have stayed. Full time. I got offered to go to Yeovil, but where I was, like I'd, I've got my two girls up here. I'm not with their mum anymore anymore. So it would have been me down there on my own, away from my girls, and I didn't fancy it for that reason. Although I really wanted to, because let's like I say I wanted to still play at uh, that sort of level, but that for me just just weren't the one at all. And I, and I dragged that out. Too long until it it, till it weren't an option anymore but then Boston were there and and to be honest at that point I'm looking at it and I'm thinking right is this, is this a good move just to go part-time or do I have to keep holding out for for thing and, and, and Boston offered me something so it's it sort of making up that mind I'm, I'm looking at the property business and the, and the, the side of things and I'm thinking well it could be the perfect transition for me into into kind of life after football it frees up my days to, to push my business and so that seemed like, like the right thing thing to do at the time albeit there's a little bit of me thinking maybe I should have just gone in and trained with York and just tried to to show a bit and uh, that I've I've still got it and uh, and maybe that would have and and trying to sort of force my way back in to be honest there's a little part of me that wishes I would have gone down that route and just showcased what I can still do but um, it's one of them I think as a winger you get past 30 and think people start to to see different wingers are generally sort of your younger flyers and, and, and sort of when you teeter past 30 people start to to question that but like I said I think I've changed my game quite a lot as well I've become more of a cleverer football and I've played a lot more in centre midfield as well throughout the years so
1: How has non-league changed since you've gone back into it? how was it different to when you played for York in the non-league mm-hmm.
2: I think it's it's possibly improved. We've got a lot more clubs going going full time now that, that you wouldn't have, have necessarily thought of. Like you say you've got I mean you've got York in the Conference North full time. There's there's a few more full time clubs in there and it's it's sort of I think the standard as a whole is slightly better than what it what it was. So yeah, I'd say it's it's probably slightly better, albeit that from a from a point of view that you you're asking a, a young kid all all years ago as opposed to to me now, so I don't necessarily know if, if that's true or not. To be
1: honest, does your property business mean then that that, that once you have stopped because I think you're still playing for Gainsborough, right? are you? Is that right? Does that I, mean then that, that you're probably gonna not not do any coaching or anything like that? And and once you've stopped playing, that that'll be you and football done.
2: I think so. I am. I am still playing. I am still there at Gainsborough. But I, th- I think to be honest, I don't know what's going to happen. I, can, I can't see this season getting going for us again. Which is another thing. Like I say, I, I went to Gainsborough. It's a, it's a decent a decent club. To be fair, and it, it, it was something that part of a, a transitional thing for me to just sort of carry on enjoying football. But at the same time, I've had the time freed up, and then I look at it thinking, well, should I have maybe tried to look up for a little something a little bit more better rather than dropping down down the league, see, seeing if I could have stayed in in and around the the, the conferences, uh, either one of the conference sides, and, and tried to to push something and gone and train somewhere. But it seemed all right for me. But that the, the disappointing thing for for that now is that I'm not playing and I can't see us getting going again this season whereas you've got everybody from the conference upwards that are still still playing football so yeah I, I wish I was still playing is, is the thing and, and the fact that I'm not playing now I do start to question will I go back to it or not and I guess it'll depend on, on what clubs are, are in there I'm not really interested in dropping any lower
1: to be honest so you'd be interested in a lower move to York <laughs> I,
2: I'd come to York tomorrow I said that at the start I, I would have honestly yeah. like, it, it is a club that, that I feel like say I I owe a lot for what it did for me the first time around So it, it felt like the fitting place to retire, to be honest. And you know, you've you've got this thing as a football, and it, it never usually happens. But you get the odd people that's been at a club the whole life that get this huge big send off. But for for me, that that kind of huge big send off would never sort of sort of anything that I would I would expect. But for me, on a personal level. It would have nice to have fin- just finished where I started. It would have made it easier to sort of draw a line under it then, that like after, kind of after the career is over. Because I can't see me going into coaching. I think once I'm done with playing, I want out of the game. I think there's a lot. Of, like I said, there's a couple of things within football that I don't like. I want to get back into it as a fan, to be honest. I don't watch any football anymore. I, I, I don't. I want. I want to get to the. To. I want to go watch a few, couple of teams. Yeah, I'll probably come and watch York at some point when I when I get the chance. Um, I want to get back into it as a fan more than anything and then if that changes my mind about anything down the line then maybe who knows like never say never kind of thing but I've not done any of my coaching badges so that to me seems like it's going to be a huge blocker because I'm not interested enough to be going and going through that process and I'm I'm not like as a player I was hungry I was hungry for for doing well, and that that passion sort of transferred to something that's external to football at this, at this moment in time. I've still got ambitions of of things after football, and, and at the minute, football's not part of my my future after playing. Which I think, like I say, I think I think it's making it harder for me to to, to actually hang the boots up. I've gone lower down than what I said I were I were gonna, but I I, did, I just want to carry on enjoying it and, and keeping fit. But yeah, I think it would have been a lot easier to to let go if I'd if I'd have finished where I
1: started. And and finally, just just a. Few- finish off Mark. because you've given up so much of your time and it's fascinating insight into your career who, who's the best you mentioned about the best manager being in Ian Holloway but who, who's the best player you've ever played with and against
2: against is I've been lucky enough to play against some some really really big players and there'd be a few more probably came into contention if it had been looking at the player themselves but in the games that I've played against players is what I'll judge it off and it was Tevez by far he just seemed to be everywhere, like and you, you couldn't get the ball off him when he had it. If you had it, he was taking it off you. And he just seemed to be doing literally everywhere on the pitch. And he he were he were unbelievable. The, the day that we played for come against them at the Etihad, it was just it was just a whole other level. The Man United game that they had the full team out at that time of playing, so I were in awe a little bit of the the, the type of players. Like you had you had Rooney up top and and Mata and and all these other players that are all over the pitch. Whereas, let's like, say, if I'm looking at from a point of view as a fan, and I'd have been naming a few of them players in there, but but just on the, the game that I played against him, like Tevez <laughs> by far, we absolutely frightened on the on the day that we played him. Played with is a is a difficult one because you you've got some really good players again in there, and it's hard for me to to kind of pick out that. Hooper were always one at, at Scunthorpe that were, were kind of a, a level above where Scudhorpe were at that time despite us being in the championship and stuff like that for, for the club he, he were always a, a level above although I do think that, that Hayes complimented him massively in, in the squad and, and he went a little bit not in Hooper's shadow because everybody could see clearly how good of a player that Hazy was but Hooper got all the, the accolades because he was he the one putting in the net rather than Hazy linking up with him but, but he was always a standout player there's been some good, uh, good young lads that that's gone on to to do really well. Um, Joe Bryan now at Fulham doing well. Bobby Reed, they were just coming through at Bristol when I were there. And then you had the flip side of that. Like, like say, I, I, I was lucky enough to play with David James, who, who growing up what a legend. Like, do you know, I mean, to to find yourself in the same team as him or something special? There was Jody Morris there at Bristol as well, who who'd had a great career at Chelsea. And then you you've got other ones like sort of Albert Domer and uh, and Yannick Balassi that, that were uh, clearly had something something else. Like I, I look back and to be honest, I look at the career that he's gone on to have, and, and Yannick Bellassi, like I were keeping him out of the team at Bristol, and and from there he he, he got a move, and then he's gone on to do to do really good things. There, there's been a lot in there that, that's been. Uh, really good players and I could go through all the clubs that, that I've had and, and pick out a handful but we'll be here all night so uh, I'll, I'll leave it the ones that I've, uh, that I've mentioned
1: well, like, like I say Martin thank you so much for giving up your time and, and I hope you've enjoyed sort of looking back on your career in general and, and York City as well
2: yeah yeah definitely I have thank you very much for inviting me on it's been my pleasure to, to chat away hope I haven't rambled on too long not,
1: not at all What a way to kick off the new series. Thanks so much to Martin Wolford for giving up his time. I thought that was a real fascinating insight as ever. But you know, someone who's had a journey right the way up through the leagues and real story of hard work and how far hard work and effort gets you in, in life. And of course, the uh, the love and respect he showed for York City as well is, is, is great to listen to. Thanks also to Matt Woodhouse uh, for his company, n Plastering, for sponsoring the episode. You can find him on Facebook. They've also got a website, woodhouseplastering.com, local business and huge York City fan as well. Matt's company are also sponsoring the next episode next week, which is uh, Jason Walker, another really good episode and someone I'm sure York City fans will enjoy hearing from. thanks to the listeners' comments as well of, of the last series, which has inspired us to do another one. I really do just take it one series at a time. And if I feel that there is a, a little bit of demand for one, then uh, that's when we, we kind of get to work. So we've tried to make this the biggest series we've ever done. Should be six episodes in total. And as ever, if you're able to donate, even if it's just a small amount, we've, we've had people donate one or two pounds here and there. We've had people donate it hundred pounds. It really makes a huge difference to us as a charity. As I'm sure you can imagine uh, in these testing times, we rely on funding e- even more so than we've ever done before. With that in mind uh, we do have the uh, normal justgiving.com forward slash York Hospital Radio. You can donate any amount you want on that. But you can also now donate via text. If you just text to 70450, so 70450 with the message 5YHB, 5YHB as in your Hospital Ball, that would donate £5 to the charity plus your standard message rate and there's also an option to do 10YHB, that's 10YHB if you wanted to donate £10. Those are the only two options we've got so far, we're just sort of trialling it to see how it goes but that, that again would help the charity massively. So if, you, if you've listened to these series and you've never donated before, please uh, do consider that it would uh, make a huge difference to us. So until next week, thanks again for listening and I hope you enjoyed this first episode.